Welcome to Tech Talks, a podcast about the impact of technology on humanity. I'm Kirsten Martin, the director of the Notre Dame Technology Ethics Center, or what we like to call ND Tech. In these discussions, we discuss an important idea, paper, article, or discovery in tech ethics. And today, I'm really excited to be joined with Casey Fiesler. Casey is an assistant professor in the Department of Information Science, as well as Computer Science by courtesy, at the University of Colorado in Boulder, in the College of Media, Communication, and Information. Um, she has additional affiliations with Silicon Valley Flatirons, or Silicon Flatirons, excuse me, at the Law School and the Atlas Institute. Her area of focus includes big data research ethics, ethics education, ethical speculation in technology design, technology empowerment for marginalized communities, and broadening participation in computing. What we're fortunate to have Casey here. She has a PhD and a law degree, which is always helpful when we're talking about tech ethics and policy. And so we'd like to take a deeper dive into your article about innovating like an optimist, preparing like a pessimist, ethical speculation and the legal imagination. This really, I mentioned your PhD and your law degree because this combines both in this area. So I think it was really interesting to think about how um, your legal background actually informed how you were thinking about teaching ethics to computer scientists, which it's always fun when like some weird part of your background all of a sudden pops up in a different area. And so this article starts with this idea of unanticipated consequences, which is kind of the bedrock of what we're dealing with right now or claiming of unanticipated consequences. And I didn't know if you could say a little bit more about this and the difficulty of foresight and the challenge that it might create. Absolutely. So a few years ago, there was a blog post written by the Future Computing Academy, which is part of ACM. And they were suggesting that maybe writing about the unintended consequences of research should be a required part of computer science publications. And this kind of idea has come up as well because NORIPS, the AI conference, has started asking for broader impacts statements. And one of the criticisms that I often hear of these kinds of proposals is, well, how are we supposed to see the future? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, How can you possibly expect a researcher or even someone building technology to imagine downstream consequences or the ways that bad actors might take advantage of or use what we're creating. And I think that that kind of speculation is actually not as difficult as people make it out to be. And I think this is in part because I'm obviously not suggesting that anyone should be able to imagine all potential things that could go wrong and and try to mitigate all of them. But I do think that we've learned enough from the past and have a sense of the kinds of things that can go wrong to the point where some of that kind of anticipation of consequences should be something that we're able to do. What I liked about it is in, in I'll just say in normal products, we, uh, in business, I'm in a business school. And so we have expectations that um, we don't hold, for example, Tide Pods responsible, Tide responsible for when a whole bunch of teenagers decide to start eating them. But 
you know, once they saw that, then they put out campaigns around it. They made sure that there were greater safety issues because they realized they were attractive to smaller children to possibly eat. You know, we, we have these issues with secondary or unintended consequences or uses in other areas. And we don't just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, I guess we can't do anything about Sudafed and meth. You know, we, we get in there and we, we put in either regulations or sometimes design decisions around how we could mitigate the unintended uses. I, that being said, I think you make a great point about how there might be reasons why it's a little bit more difficult or why this might occur with these unintended consequences. If I understood correctly, there is this, where you borrow from Robert Merton's theory of unintended consequences about this inability to anticipate every eventuality, but also the kind of reliance on old methods of analysis, kind of having a tool and going back to it over even when things have changed and you might need to think about a new tool. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I think connects well to some of the challenges that we see in law as well, because the law as a discipline and a practice largely relies on precedent and technology as a general rule, moves much faster than the law does. And so something that frequently happens when we get new technologies is that we're trying to apply older laws to them or create new laws that look a lot like old ones. <laughs> so I, I think that this idea of like reactionary ethics or reactionary design or policy happens a lot, both because of this kind of slowness for things to catch up to technological advances, both with respect to not knowing what kinds of things that might go wrong, and maybe not even having the tools, and maybe those are regulatory tools to deal with those kinds of things right away. So can I didn't know the so you're so you have a solution, well, it's kind of a solution. It's this idea of, um, I mean, it's not going to solve everything, but this idea of creative speculation, um, I, I, the, both issue spotting from legal analysis and then the idea of imagination as a possible tool for computer scientists to use in design. And I didn't know if you could say a little bit more about that, just for so many of us that teach people are in data analytics or data science or computer science about how we can help or think through how to how to give them tools to deal with unanticipated consequences or think through as many as you can. Yeah. So I definitely think this isn't a solution necessarily as one tool that we might consider, particularly in the, in the educational process. So you mentioned issue spotting, and this is a, a term from legal education. The way that many exams work in law school is that you get this very long fact pattern, like here's, you know, two pages of something that happened. And then at the end, it just says, please discuss all possible torts claims or something like that. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that you learn to do in law school is take this very complicated situation and see the legal issues. And that's actually, it's, it, that's not a natural Thing. It is it is a skill that I think people can learn through practice. And of course, that's how the law often works in the real world. And so when I started teaching, particularly 
ethics related classes, I started thinking about it partially in this way. Let's say you're designing a new technology. Can you do that same sort of thing? Like, imagine the kinds of things that might happen or the kinds of issues you might see. I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens when, you know, someone has a startup and they're building this new technology and maybe they want to hire someone to, you know, be an ethics consultant. And they're like, just tell me what the problems (laughs) might be. What are the kinds of things that might be issues here? And one way that I think you can do that is looking at patterns from from the past and things that often happen. And so this is why I use current events very heavily in my classes, not even just my ethics classes, but in general, I think it's really important to be able to see how things connect to the real world. But also this idea of a sort of creative speculation. And this doesn't mean turning all computer science majors into science fiction writers. Though (laughs) I do think that ways to help technologists think a little more like science fiction writers might be good. Like there's this quote from Isaac Asimov about how science fiction writers are good at foreseeing inevitable catastrophes, but though catastrophes are inevitable, solutions are not. And Science fiction writers don't tend to be the one tasked with coming up with solutions. (laughs) So how can we help the people who should be coming up with solutions think a little more about the inevitable catastrophes? And so one of the things that I'm trying to do in my research, and this is most recently uh, supported by an NSF career grant, is to think about creating tools for the technology design process for doing this kind of speculation and also how that can work well in the classroom. Oh, super interesting. That is interesting. I think that um, now that you mention it, when I, I used to call, when I go to the Privacy Law Scholars Conference or any any of the um, legal work around technology and I call them the tip of the spear. Like they, they tend to identify, they're good issue spotters. And so they, they tend to see the issues in a really, um, where everyone else is just saying that just seems wrong. They're very good at identifying, you know, interests and rights that are at stake, you know, and, and, and usually with their old tools. So I'm not saying that it's perfect, but they uh, are really good at issue spotting and it would be helpful to have that as a skill, um, to engineers and computer scientists to think through, issue spotting in general to, to almost red team their own design, you know, around ethical issues, just like they do with security. We're used to doing that with security, but um, they don't tend to think about it with their own design. They're optimists. But I like the way that you say that you can, I liked your, your ending when you say, I am an optimist who uses pessimism to prepare, which as a, as someone who's called a pessimist, sometimes I, I just say I'm a realist that tries to prepare. And, um, and the, preparation is speculation for what the world could be and how it could be better. I, what I, when we were talking before we started this is that what I liked about this article was a lot of times when you're issue spotting or critiquing or identifying issues that someone needs to address, unfairness issues, people being used as a mere means, anything along those lines, it can sound as if you're very negative about all technology, as if the technology itself should not exist at all, that, that no, so, there's no benefit to social networks or something along those lines. And yet that's not, for the vast majority of people that are critiquing, that's not actually what they're saying. They're, they're trying to figure out how to design better um, and make 
make the technology better. So I, I appreciated that, you know, general idea of trying to help it with design versus getting rid of technology in general. And I also think that, I think that if you are in any field and you love your field of study or what you're doing, that it is your obligation to critique it because you should want it to be the best that it can possibly be. And I am very clearly not (laughs) anti-technology. I study what I study and I think a lot about the harms of technology because I love it so much and I want it to be better. And I think about this a lot in particular with respect to things like the internet and social media and online communities, which is sort of my original area of study. And I talk a lot about social media ethics. And then people seem sort of surprised that I'm on Twitter and TikTok so much. Like, don't you think that these social media platforms are evil? No, I do not. If (laughs) If I thought they were evil, I wouldn't bother. I would be pushing for everything to shut down not to try to make things better. And I also think it's really important that we consider, I think it's really important that we don't focus so much on the harms that we try to fix things in ways that break things that are good. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. So for that reason, I also think it's really important to study the good things and the bad things about technology at the same time. That's great. Yeah, I was just, um, a friend of mine at Michigan just wrote a paper with others on algorithmic reparations with this idea. And she does a lot of work on the good side of like social media use, or in this case, trying to not just avoid unfairness or discrimination, but like, how could you actually use the design to fix the issues that are in the world, like, so make it more of a positive impact. And I I agree with you, um, because just as we can do design decisions that are bad, you know, a bad recommendation algorithm, we could actually look at how to make it good, you know, so instead of having to avoid the bad. And so that's, um, it's the same design decisions or the same category of design decisions that we're in. Um, and you can just look at it in two different ways. Yeah, I really, I just enjoyed this. Um, I like the overall look of it. I mean, the overall approach that you had of, you know, being an optimist, but trying to think like a pessimist to make it better and that it's okay to be an issue spotter and trying to think through what the problems are to make it better while liking the technology and using the technology. Because I agree with you. I think my students are amazed that when I make references that my TikTok is very different than my daughter's TikTok. I think they're shocked that I know TikTok or that I, you know what I mean? That I'm following dogs all the time or I, you know, they, they're just surprised given all the issues that we're spotting all the time and that you can still have the good parts of a technology without taking all of the bad. So I wanted to wrap up. I usually ask this question at the end, just to kind of highlight people that we might not be paying attention to. So it's, I didn't know if there was any anybody that in particular that you're paying attention to in the area of tech ethics, just currently right now. It could be a doctoral student or someone that you are following along, always looking forward to what they write about. It, you know, it's always different or something like that. If there's anyone that you recommend. Something that I think I'd like to see even more attention paid to is the work that's happening in computing education and technology education in this area. And... One thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is how ethics is sort of 
shorthand for a constellation of of things like responsibility and justice. And so some some work that's happening in the computer science education field along these lines that I really like is Amy Coe is doing a lot of work on social justice and computing education and Nikki Washington as looking at it as cultural competency in computing education. And I think that those are both interesting ideas. And I have done a lot of work on sort of, you know, ethics, which again, I feel like it's the sort of umbrella shorthand term for thinking about how we're talking about the stuff in computing education. But sometimes I think the word that I'm actually looking for here is justice, which I think is really important as well. So those are two people who have been doing good work in that area. That's great. Thank you. I I, uh, I agree with you. I think I, I'm an engineer undergrad and I have uh, two of my kids went through engineering uh, college or one's in the middle of it. And I would say that I would love for the ethics um, training of engineers to be uh, less of a side note in their senior year design thesis and more of an integral part that they have touches a couple times. So I would I would love to have it be a little bit more robust than than it currently is. So well, and, and I think that's great. Also for for people who are interested in that as a general thing, like ethics sort of integration, the responsible computer science challenge, which was a funded initiative, but there are a large number, 18 or 20 universities in the US who are part of that, who've all created various types of ethics-related curriculum to integrate into technical classes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and so there's a lot of people working along these lines, which I also think is is really important because I think it's important that we teach these things not as just a specialization, but as an integral part of what every technologist is doing. Oh, I agree. I couldn't agree more. So I I really appreciate you taking the time. And we will we'll always look forward to seeing your work in the future, but thank you very much. I appreciate you coming. Tech Talks is a production of the Notre Dame Technology Ethics Center. For more, visit techethics.nd.edu.